Do you need help in your business? Do you need help understanding how to grow and scale and profitably build your company into the business that you want it to be? Well, you're in luck. I have been working for the past three and a half, almost four years now with some of the most successful real estate investors from around the country, among them Andy McFarlane and Bill Allen. And we've developed a program called Seven Figure Flipping. Seven Figure Flipping is a mastermind coaching and mentoring program designed to get you and your business to the next level. If you're interested in finding out more and want to know how you can get involved, shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line help, and I will get a hold of you. We'll hop on the phone and we'll talk about it. If it's right for you, I'll let you know. If it's not right for you and your business at this point, I'll let you know that too. But at the very least, you'll find out if it's a good fit. So shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com and let's talk. All right, on with the show. We got a handful of uh, of, uh, of yeses, so we turned uh, five units that year, five additional units that year into Airbnbs, and they all vastly outperformed what we were paying for them on a, on a monthly monthly basis. Okay, let me stop you there, because what you just- You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. As I always say, I know that there are a lot of options out there. There are a lot of things you can do to spend your time and ways that you can uh, improve. And I, I appreciate the fact that you're spending it here with me. And, and that's not overlooked, guys. It, it's very much appreciated and I'm humbled by it. So thank you for being here. I am really excited to be uh, involved in this particular episode. Uh, I've got a guest on that I think you all are going to be super excited about. I know I am. Uh, I really enjoy having all my guests on, but there are certain guests that have expertise or things that they're doing in real estate that I'm particularly interested in, and this guest is no exception. So without further ado, I would like to uh, introduce Eric Dukic. Uh, I'm sorry, Eric. I said Eric. I knew I was the last name was what I was worried about, and then I did the first name. Amir. I'm sorry. Amir Dukic. I'm just focused on that last name because I knew I was going to screw it up, and I didn't. But Amir, uh, hey, listen... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank, thank, no, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Uh, call me Eric. It's not that unusual. Autocorrect always changes my name from Amir to Eric. So, All right. You know, I, I'm going to say just, I, I, it autocorrected. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to say it autocorrected, but it's my stupid handwriting. I'm so focused on not screwing up your last name. I messed up your your first one. So uh, Murphy's yeah, no Law, right? No worries at all. All right. No worries at all. Amir. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. Um, uh, you you work uh, the model that you do in real estate is uh, Airbnb. It's an Airbnb model. Uh, you and your wife have been insanely successful uh, doing this, and it's something that I I've kind of had it on my whiteboard. I have it in my notepad, like everywhere that I put goals and things in my business. I have written down like figure out Airbnb, like get it figured out. And and I always stop myself because there's so much I don't know about how to do it right that I, I just push it off because I, I know other things that I can do. I already know how to do them. And that's what I focus on. But I've, I've written this down. I even wrote uh, just even a month ago, I wrote to my assistant who I just hired a few months ago. I said, remind me when I was out of town. I said, remind me when I get back to figure out Airbnb because somebody was talking about it at a retreat we were doing for eight figure flipping. So uh, I'm super excited to have you on the show, man. I'm, I'm really uh, psyched to dive into this and, and really understand your business. So thank you again. And if you don't mind, 
tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into this model. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Mike, thanks again for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to kind of share my journey and, and educate everyone else on, on the opportunities that are available in the Airbnb or short-term rental uh, world. Um, I am uh, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've uh, been here for about 15 years now. Um, initially, was a civil engineer. Uh, did that for a while, didn't enjoy it. Uh, joined a startup, a technology startup in Charlotte. Uh, that company was acquired by NBC Sports uh, three or so years ago. Uh, so at that time period, you know, uh, I joined NBC, but I was thinking, what do I want to do next? Um, and I realized that I had a business opportunity in my backyard. And what, what I mean by that is my wife and I uh, purchased a home here in Charlotte where we live that had a detached garage and a room above that garage of a bathroom. Um, I was going to make it my man cave, but, uh, I have two kids. I had two kids at that point. I'm a third now. Uh, and that was never going to go over well. <laughs> with my wife. Uh, yeah. And I don't blame her being, being in a separate, separate dwelling. Basically, uh, yeah. it was just not, not fair. Right. So, yeah. uh, we decided to turn it, uh, we were going to turn it in, into a long-term rental at first, but because there was no kitchen, we didn't think there was going to be as much value, uh, from having a, a long-term rental. So, we decided to make it an Airbnb just to see how it would do. Uh, so we put some some nice furniture into the place uh, and put it in an Airbnb and marketed it. Uh, what Airbnb really is, is Airbnb is just a marketplace for you to list your home as a short-term rental, not too different from Zillow or any real MLS site, right? You yeah. just list it there and then potential customers, in this instance, guests uh, reach out to you. Okay, um, let me ask you real quick that. about that first rental, real yeah. quick. Um, I don't know the the Charlotte market, but can you tell me? And this is I I know we're going to get into this a little bit, and I don't want I want you to finish your journey here, but tell me a little bit about that rental. Where was it? What kind of a neighborhood or what kind of an area was it in? And I think this is the reason I'm asking is I think a lot of people think an Airbnb, and maybe maybe this is true. This is one of my limiting beliefs. Maybe that they have to be sort of like on the beach or like in this an unbelievable location. Like where was this first one? It sounds almost like it was a residential, but maybe I'm wrong. It is. So it was a residential. We had a, uh, a house that, that was about two and a half, three miles from uh, uptown Charlotte or downtown Charlotte. Okay. Uh, it was a nice, it was a nice residential neighborhood, uh, you know, about a mile from a, a, the Plaza Midwood neighborhood uh, and Plaza Midwood neighborhood has its own little downtown, which has got a couple of breweries, a couple of bars, restaurants, a couple of shops. Right. Okay. Uh, so Airbnb, and that's a, that's a, it's a great question, Mike. Uh, Airbnb is a little bit different than the traditional vacation rentals. Um, vacation rentals are what it, what they are. Vacation rentals. Airbnbs are more in more popular in urban markets, markets like Charlotte, like Detroit, non traditional vacation markets that have the new type of traveler, you know, which is usually millennial millennial travelers uh, or business travelers or families that are looking to. Uh, relocate elsewhere and I need a place to stay to really get a sense of the neighborhood. If you're a family of, of four and you're thinking about moving to Charlotte, uh, staying in a hotel is not ideal. You'd rather stay in a neighborhood uh, that locals stay in yeah. so that you can actually get experience of what the city is truly like. So that's, those are more of the type of guests that stay at Airbnbs. Uh, we actually, you know, you'd also think uh, Airbnbs would be really popular in downtown and downtowns. It's actually our most well-performing units are not in downtown itself, but within basically a five-mile radius of downtown. Is that because 
Is, is that, I'm sorry. Is that because of the price point? Like, is that because of the return on the investment, or is that because it's just more desirable to be a little bit outside of the downtown? You know what I mean? Like the downtown, I assume, are more expensive, so maybe your returns are a lot lower. Is that is that the reason, or is it more location? It's honestly, it's a combination of both. Downtown also has you know a higher propensity of hotels, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and the type of homes you can acquire in downtown, there's less single-family homes. It's more apartment buildings yeah. um, or small multifamily buildings. And those, uh, and we can get into is those for the most part have restrictions against short-term rentals. Okay. You know, if you go into an apartment building that has 200 plus units, uh, there's usually a res- or a condo condominium building. Uh, there's usually some restrictions there because of HOAs. Uh, gotcha. but for us, we've seen a lot more success, uh, in basically within a, a, sh- a short radius of downtown in, in parts of na- in neighborhoods that you as a local actually want to hang out in, in okay. Charlotte, no local actually wants to hang out in downtown Charlotte. We'd rather hang out in, you know, one of the neighborhoods surrounding it because that has more culture. It's got a better, you know, entertainment scene than downtown, which is just stuffy full of suits and yeah, you know, things. Like that. But the, but outsiders, people from outside of Charlotte, they don't know, like, what I w- again, I'm limiting belief maybe, but I I would assume that when people come into Michigan, they want to go. Well, I'm there's an event in downtown Detroit, so I want to be in downtown Detroit. They're not going to want to be in a cool suburb that I know is a very cool suburb. Or like when I say suburb, I mean it's like a smaller town with a really cool small downtown with some breweries and things. They don't. How do you how do you convey that? Is is it a lot of it the marketing side of it? Is that is that a real strong component? Like it, it making people understand why they would want to stay there as opposed to downtown Charlotte. Correct. Uh, I mean, and I think it's also the type of travelers that utilize Airbnb. Uh, they're looking to get away from the traditional hotel space, which is found in downtown. Yeah. But Airbnb. Uh, does a great job of allowing you as the host to do a description of one, what your unit looks like, your neighborhood, uh, and to actually paint the picture of what your property and your experience would be as a, as a traveler. So okay. we always highlight in our, in our descriptions of our properties, we always highlight the neighborhood while you actually would want to stay here. Uh, but overall, uh, the travelers themselves are becoming more educated uh, yeah. before coming to a city like Charlotte. They, they don't just look at downtown Charlotte, but they look at what the surrounding neighborhoods and areas provide. Uh, you know, because for example, a lot of our travelers are foodies, right? They're big into food yeah. uh, and the best restaurants aren't usually in downtown. The most expensive restaurants are, but the rest of the restaurants are in the outskirts in the more community based centers. Basically. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was your, your first one was, uh, in a, in a subdiv. it sounds like it was in like a subdivision or, or a neighborhood. Um, you converted it. So how did that one do? How did it go? First of all, I assume there were some lessons learned there and then how, how did that one go and where did you go from there? Yeah, so that one went uh, really well. It's, it's a 300 square foot room above our garage uh, that basically uh, we quickly realized was able to cover the uh, the mortgage in our house. So the revenue that we we're generating from this, you know, 300 square foot room above our garage was covering the mortgage in the house wow. on a on a month to month basis. So that ROI was was you know was kind of like a light bulb moment. Yeah. Right? Was it um, weird though having someone over your garage? Was that inconvenient at all or? It, it, it took a little bit getting used to, uh, but then it, it really became okay. a, a non-starter because they, they had their own entrance to, yeah. to, the, to okay. the building. Okay. Uh, okay. So it wasn't, you know, we haven't done any, you know, Airbnb and a lot of people when they think of Airbnb from a traditional perspective is a, I'm, somebody staying on my spare bed. You know, we, we don't do that. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have a wife and two kids. We wouldn't feel, all well, three kids now, but. Uh, right. We wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Ours is more from an investment uh, sure. perspective. Sure. Okay. 
so we did uh, that unit uh, again did remarkably well uh and so we decided to acquire a few more properties uh to see if they would do equally as well okay. uh and the way we initially approached it is uh, through a master lease model. So basically we would go to the homeowner or to the condo owner, uh, that's looking to rent out the property. And we would say, Hey, Mr. Smith, uh, you look, it looks like you're looking for a long-term rental here. I will actually offer you a premium on what you're looking for on your monthly rate. Usually we did a 10% premium initially, uh, as long as you're okay with us turning that into an Airbnb as well. We'll pay you on the first of the month. We'll furnish it. We'll pay for all the utilities as long as you're, uh, okay, with us turning into an Airbnb, uh, and we we got a handful of uh, of uh, of yeses, so we turned uh, five units that year, five additional units that year into Airbnbs, and they all vastly outperformed what we were paying for them on a on a monthly monthly basis. Okay, let me stop you there because what you just said is the is kind of the key and the magic of what you guys do, right? I think one of the suggestions, or, or not suggestions, one of the objections, I should say, totally different word, uh, of this, or one of the the drop um, hurdles that people have is like, well, I don't have um, the money to buy all these houses. Like I can't, I might have one maybe, but how do you get 70 like you guys have, or, or maybe even more than that now? How do you do that? And so your whole model, like the, to me, the the magic sauce or the differentiator and the, and the really cool thing about it is you just said it they're master leases you don't have yeah. you don't own the houses you 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 operate them under a master lease and then you 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 turn them into airbnb that is so incredibly brilliant because it it eliminates the ceiling or it eliminates the 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 constraint of financing and that's most people that's their that's their constraint financing like how can i do this you don't have to buy the house. That's amazing. Let's talk about that for a minute. How did you find out that you could even do that? How did that occur to you? Or did somebody tell you or did you research it? How did you know that? Uh, it was a combination of, of research and just testing out different different approaches, right? Uh, this was, you know, two and a half years ago. So, you know, the real estate market was, was hot. Uh, and I mean, it still is here in Charlotte. Uh, and we just didn't have the capital uh, to invest into multiple properties, but we wanted to, to test out this idea. So we, we, we attempted different strategies and this is the one that, that resonated the most. So, uh, that's the one we initially stuck with this, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, a trial and error and <laughs> just see what yeah. sticks. And that one, that one, that one really, uh, got, got some good traction. Quickly. Okay. So you, you mentioned it was a hot market and it, and so that mean cost and, and the price of houses were high, but does a hot market, all, like why would, why would somebody, and I'm going to ask this question because I hate this question when people ask it of, of, an, of um, wholesaling, which I do, but I'm going to ask anyway, why would someone do this? Why, A, why wouldn't they just Airbnb themselves? And B, why would they want to offer you a master lease? You're not going to live there. They're leasing it to you, but you're not going to be there. Like, why would somebody do this? What's the motivation for the homeowner? Well, if they, 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 they would do it because one, I'm offering them a 10% premium on their return on what they would get from a traditional long-term rental. So I gave them incentive to do that. So their ROI is higher. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're pocketing extra cash on a month to month basis. Uh, and initially, especially early on with Airbnb, uh, you know, Airbnbs aren't passive like traditional long-term rentals are right. Yeah. Uh, of course with long-term rentals, you have to, you know, find a tenant, and then for the most part, it's passive. If, if Airbnbs, there's more turnover. Yeah. Uh, there's guests constantly coming and going. So you're, you're in a sense running a hospitality operation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, especially with an unknown, uh, a lot of people are scared of that. 
so they prefer to uh, uh, to just pass it on to us, uh, you know, generate the, the high return that they were planning on and uh, kind of move on. <laughs> Yeah, make it possible. I've heard this too, and tell me if I'm wrong. But it, one of the one of the ways that you can sell this, or one of the ways that you you convey this to the homeowner, is a traditional rental. Somebody's going to be in there, and by the time they're done, they could have really beaten this thing up, and you have all these costs of getting it ready to rent again. But with Airbnb, essentially every couple of days or every week there's a cleaning crew coming in and like cleaning this place and making it spotless. So um, week in and week out, there's there's no concern or there should be no concern that this place is just getting run into the ground, right? Because it would ruin your business too. Uh, absolutely right. And that was a big piece of education that we had to do with the owners that we worked with, right? Is to educate them that yes, there's more traffic coming through. But if we, as, as Rabu, as operators, if, if we don't make sure that the unit is always in tip-top shape, that will reflect in our in the reviews that we get for the property, which will affect our ability to market it and ch- charge a certain fee that we need to see the highest return. So we're highly incentivized to make sure that the unit is always in tip top shape. How uh, long is so, a typical lease for you when you lease these ma- this master lease? What is the the, the term? When we first started out, uh, it was just you know again trial and error. It was at six months. Uh, now we do uh, we have a couple of proposals working on now where it's up to five years. Okay. Uh, so over time, it's gradually increased in the, in the length. Yeah. Is there a concern? Uh, okay, I'm just going to try and think. I'm thinking a worst case scenario here, like doom and gloom. Of course. So you have 70 rental, 70. I don't know if that's the right number. I know that's the number we that you had and, and you'd given me in a while back. But 70 of these master leases that you're, you've, Airbnb, if all of the homeowners said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm done. I want to just go ahead and sell the house what what happens then like your your business is built on something you don't own which is cool because you don't need to come up with the financing for it but the the downside is you don't control it necessarily maybe for the five years or for the two years or three years whatever the master lease is for but what if they want to sell like how do you reconcile that in your business model yeah i mean so our business model has evolved a little bit as well we don't just currently uh, just to go back to one point you made we don't just have master lease units we've since also started managing units on behalf of property investors so we've had property investors now come to us and say hey we actually want to participate in in the upside as well so they'll help set it up uh, and then they'll ask us to basically provide turnkey management services on their behalf oh okay for the homeowners for the homeowners which at this point uh traditionally are you know if you think about it uh, uh, property investors right Yeah. who are looking for a higher ROI than they would get from the traditional long-term market. Right. Uh, so they those started engaging us um, to uh, to manage properties on their behalf so they can participate in the upside, for which we charge a management fee right. uh, on the, for those. For those. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the way we protect ourselves is, is contracts. Uh, and then also we're strategic about how far out we uh, allow guests to book these properties. Uh, okay. So if you have uh-huh. a contract for... 12 months, we only allow 12 months ahead of time for, for the guest to book uh, so that that doesn't create, you know, issues for us down the line. Are we, would uh, so you be interested, like if somebody came to you and you had a really great Airbnb, one of your units was just a top performer, just great, and the people wanted to sell, is that something you'd consider buying or would you just go, okay, great, end it and move on and, and go somewhere else? We've, uh, absolutely. We, we haven't personally bought it yet because that's not part of our business model, but we have handed off. Uh, we have been uh, we've established relationships be- between 
clients that were looking to sell and uh, potential uh, purchasers of those properties who would be looking for the type of return that they're able to get from a short-term rental. So okay. we have managed the same property over multiple owners oh, um, okay. because of the model. Oh, that's fantastic. That's That's super smart. I like that, actually. So they want to sell. You help them facilitate that sale to someone who would want to kind of take over that that uh, ownership of that and, and take advantage of the short-term rental. That's pretty cool. I like that yeah, a lot, we're, actually. We're, yeah, we're, we're getting our, our sales team, Colleen, our sales team is getting lots of inquiries from uh, – we're getting two types of inquiries. One is property owners that have properties that they would like us to manage on their behalf. And then uh, – property investors who are looking to get into the space who are looking for us to help them identify the right type of properties that they can purchase to turn into short-term rentals. Gotcha. Uh, so there's, there's both sides, both sides of that okay. story. Okay. Um, all right. So how two, two years or two and a half years ago, you started this endeavor and now you have uh, 70 of these units. That's pretty, that's pretty fast. That's a pretty fast scale up. How did you guys go from one and then how quickly did you, I, I assume that there was, it was slow in the beginning and then kind of went, you know, faster in the end. How did you scale that up? What was your process for doing that? Absolutely. So uh, we started off with the one, uh, as I mentioned, in my, in my backyard. Uh, we, uh, at this point, it was my wife and myself. We started thinking, okay, let's see how much we can scale this up and what we can do with, with this business. So we got those other five that I mentioned, basically, and this was in uh, 2017. Uh, at, at the end of, I apologize, at the end of 2016, uh, we got to six properties that we were basically had master leases on and then, and then our, our own property. Um, and once we get to that point, we honestly realized that it's almost, it's, it's quite labor intensive, right? Uh, because this was very early on, uh, we were still figuring everything out. You know, we were still doing all the guest communication manually. Uh, we were changing lock codes to the units manually. Uh, just ensuring that doing everything ourselves, you know, I've, I cleaned, I can't tell you how many toilets I cleaned <laughs> after <laughs> guest stayed. Uh, yeah. but that was just part of understanding the business right yeah. early on. It's that I'm a firm believer in that you need to understand every aspect of the business so that you can run it in the most efficient way. Um, so at the beginning of 2017, yeah, 2017, that sounds right. Uh, I brought on, a, uh, my, uh, co-founder James strong to be our chief technical officer. Okay. Basically, the goal of, of James was to come in and help build out technology in the back end that would automate most of the things that we do. Yeah. So be less less reliant on manual manual labor, uh, but more process operational driven through technology. What kind of things uh, so, can you automate? Uh, communication uh, was a big one. Uh, based on you know when a guest books, we can send them a message, a template, a message that says you know Mike, thanks for booking. We're looking forward to hosting you in Charlotte. Uh, look for your check-in instructions a couple of days prior to check-in. Okay. Uh, then the next next thing we built is we started utilizing smart home technology to automate the homes themselves. So things like the lock, the thermostat, the uh, uh, energy, uh, the Wi-Fi, uh, the energy consumption, things things of that nature, so that we would be able to automatically set a code for a guest that only works for them. Okay. When they arrive, so. You know, let's say you booked a, 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 one of our units to arrive today uh, at, at 3 p.m. Uh, we would send you, automatically send you a code that would be the last four digits of your phone number that would start working at 3 p.m. today and would stop working at 11 a.m. on the day you check out. So let's say you check out on Sunday, it would stop working at that point. That just eliminated a lot of the biggest pain points that we identified early on, which is access to the yeah. property. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we found the best type of lock to use through a lot of trial and error 
the best type of thermostat to use so that, you know, when you, nobody's staying in the properties, because a well-performing property in Airbnb is about 60 to 70% occupancy. Okay. Um, that, that's the way we structure it. We basically structure our, our, our Airbnbs that we believe that 30% occupancy were basically able to break even. And then anything above that is, is net positive revenue. Uh, right. Uh, so uh, most of our units are right around the 60 to 70, 70% occupancy, which means that there's still, you know, 10 days out of the month and nobody's staying in those units. So yeah. uh, we optimize our, our returns by having thermostats that are smart thermostats that when we know nobody's staying in the unit, we automatically turn those off uh, so that we're not cool, cooling or heating a space that's empty. Yeah. Uh, and then two hours prior to the next guest arrival, we turn an AC or heat on to get it comfortable for the guest. Uh, so it was a lot of those like uh, issues that you just learn through managing your own properties yeah. and trying to basically optimize every dollar that we built, uh, built those type of automations out. Um, and then uh, the biggest challenge uh, was really identifying and finding the proper cleaning team. Uh, yeah. So it started off my wife and I cleaning it. Uh, but then we just uh, started finding resources that would enable anybody to become a cleaner. So, messages, daily messages that we can send to cleaners where they know what units to clean and what their code is to get into the property so that they can clean it themselves. Does that code change? I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt it you. Does, does that, it changes yeah, no, for the, yeah, that, even that, the that cleaners? Code, code. Okay. Correct. So okay. that we can, uh, you know, the scary thing about the Airbnb world is that most operators or most hosts have the same code for years. Yeah. Uh, and that just creates a lot of security issues. Yeah. Uh, so, we didn't, we didn't want to play in that space. Uh, we wanted to make sure that, you know, as soon as possible, we were optimized for, for all those things. So our, our cleaners have a code that only works for them when they're supposed to clean. Uh, and then we monitor all the codes that are used throughout the day so that if we see some unusual activity, we can pinpoint it to who came. Um, right. You know, the owners of the properties have their own codes. Uh, the management company has its own codes, things of that nature, just so that we're able to fully understand what's happening at the property without like having cameras in there. Cause we don't want to do that for obvious reasons in yeah. the Airbnb space. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then the biggest, you know, the other one that's the biggest pain point is Wi-Fi. Uh, you know, everything's Wi-Fi based. So we, we control the Wi-Fi remotely. If it goes down, we reset it, uh, things of that nature. Uh, okay. because it's, it's so core. You'd be surprised how, you know, if, if, if a unit doesn't have Wi-Fi or strong Wi-Fi guests complain and that can just, plummet the performance of the unit. Uh, yeah. So that's the, the thing that we focused on. What, t- tell me some uh, of the things, tell me if you don't mind, tell me some of the things that some of the lessons learned, like, like Wi-Fi has to be strong or it's going to just crush your, you know, that, that unit. What are some of the things that you didn't know that you know now that can really derail a, a, a Airbnb if, if you don't know this? Like what are some of those things that you went, ah, okay, I get it now. Honestly, the biggest one is, is Wi-Fi, uh, you know, being, being in an, you know, a real estate and again, it's a different type of real estate investor. I was just trying to find the best way to give them the minimum that they needed, including, so it was usually paying for the cheapest Wi-Fi. And, yeah. um, the second we actually enhanced the Wi-Fi, our reviews went up, uh, we were able to charge more because everyone, uh, especially Airbnb travelers, they're so Wi-Fi and phone reliant. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that, that was honestly probably one of the biggest ones. Um, 
uh, that that'd be identified pretty early on it's, it's the, the, the power of having strong wi-fi yeah do you guys have things like like is it important or is it completely not necessary to have things like hot tubs and some of these other uh, amenities that are maybe a little bit more you know uh extravagant or a little bit you know better we don't uh just because they just add maintenance and yeah. logistical issues yeah. that we don't want to deal with uh so we're purposeful about uh, you know it's it's basic real estate right it's location we're more interested in, in the location and the general condition yeah. of the property as opposed to amenities because amenities usually lead to more issues and more problems to solve yeah uh, big in keeping it simple uh, and, uh, that's been successful for us to date. That makes sense. And I, I know like in rentals for me, at least in, in Michigan, we don't like, if I, if I buy a, a home that I'm going to make a long-term rental and it has a washer and dryer, I, I take those out. Like those come out. We don't leave washer and dryer because it's just something else to fix and something it can break and something you're responsible for. Do you guys find that having the ability to do laundry, is that, is that a bonus or do you do the same thing? Do you rip out things that you don't have to have because they break down? Uh, for the most part, we rip out things you don't have to have, to have that you don't have to have. But uh, in our space, laundry is a must. Uh, so okay. uh, all our all our units have laundry, uh, just because you know, we get travelers that stay anywhere from a couple of days to a lot of Airbnbs organically also turn into corporate housing. Uh, so somebody will 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 book for two or three months at a time in really? our in our unit. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So, uh, for those type of guests, you just need to have sure. uh, a short, uh, you need to have wash and dries. And, and a lot of them are, you know, even if they're staying for a couple of days, we're a stop as part of a longer trip. Uh, yeah. so one of the reasons that they choose an Airbnb is because it has a wash and dryer where they can, you know, right. get the clothes back clean and going. So that that's sense. one that, that we, we find quite necessary, but a lot of the other stuff, you know, fire pits, uh, things of that nature. Um, you know, if, we, if there's a fireplace, a wood burning fireplace, we purposefully don't provide the wood. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the logs throw in there just because. I mean, do uh, you, you do anything to do you do anything to seal those off, or do you just go, well, we're not going to provide wood, but if they go get wood, it's on them. Like that seems almost like a complication too, possibly. Yeah, we just leave it open to them. Uh, okay. We, we, if, if they want to do it, they can. They can, and some choose to. Uh, to us, you know, fireplace turns more into an aesthetic than a than a yeah. than an actual like usable you know sure piece of the home but uh others you know guests will do what they want to do yeah. eventually okay uh, so Can, let's talk a little bit how you evaluate you you mentioned it a little bit you got into it for a second there about saying 60 to 70 percent occupancy and 30 percent it represents break even when you're evaluating a house like what are like maybe some four or five of the uh, the criteria that you like in real estate it's it's for rentals for example right people talk about the two percent rule or the one percent rule which is basically your purchase and your renovation costs add those together times two 2%, let's just say, and that's what rent you should get. And that's sort of like a, a rule of thumb or like to kind of get you in the ballpark mm -hmm. kind of thing. Is there a similar kind of evaluation that you do on a Airbnb? Yeah. So for us, it's the, the 30, basically the 33, 30% rule. If we believe that we can charge this nightly rate and that at 30, 30 or so percent occupancy, it will get us a, a net positive result on a monthly basis, then those are properties that we want to work with. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's one of the key evaluation points that we make. 
So, uh, okay. okay, so let me ask you this though. So for real estate, I can look at other houses that are similar to mine and I know it'll rent for $1,000 and I know I'm going to buy it for this and I can reasonably say the renovation will be this and it'd be $50,000 all in. That's 2%. How do you evaluate whether or not you'll have 30% occupancy? Like how do you pre, pre-evaluate, you know what I mean, before you yeah, so- take it on? There's there's a couple of things that you do. One is you you go to Airbnb yourself and you search for the area where the home is, uh, and you can search by similar characteristics to get an idea what you can what you should be able to generate on a nightly basis based on how the other units are performing. Yep. There's a couple of other resources online. Uh, there's a website called AirDNA, so A I R D N A dot com, that basically does that on your behalf. Uh, it, it will tell you, uh, how, how each individual unit is performing and give you an estimate on how your particular unit would perform. Okay. So that's one, uh, that's one Avenue. There's another, uh, online resource called mash visor, M A S H V I S O R.com mash visor.com. They do, um, basically they look at homes that are, uh, available in MLS for sale. Yeah. And, they, they using their analysis will tell you uh, the type of return you can get on it as a short-term rental versus, or a long-term rental as well. Uh, okay. So those are two good evaluation points. Okay. Uh, there's also a, a, an Elliot and me calculator that does the decent job of giving you an estimate of how much you unit should generate. So there's some online resources, uh, but a lot of it honestly uh, also comes down to gut feeling. Uh, and okay. you know what, it, this sounds crazy, but you know, the way we've looked at it for the longest time is, is would I want to stay in this property and would I be willing to pay this amount of month, this amount of, uh, per, per day to stay yeah. here? Uh, you know, there's just an internal check in a sense. Obviously you want to be as much data driven as possible, but you know, if the, if the numbers make sense from what you're seeing online, but then you would not feel comfortable staying at this property for whatever reason, it's probably smarter to pass because others would feel the same way and that will just probably turn into a dud long-term. Okay. So aesthetically, let's just say you evaluate something from the number standpoint and financially it makes sense. And I know there's like this gut check of like, would I stay here kind of a thing. I get that. But let's assume the neighborhood's great and the the numbers make sense. Is there something you look for in the house itself, physical characteristics of the house itself that makes it more desirable to you as the investor, somebody who's running this business? I mean, in other words, like colonial versus ranch or tri-level split, a walkout basement. Like, is there anything that you look at aesthetically that makes a difference to you? It's not necessarily some, somewhat aesthetic, but not necessarily. Uh, well, one, it's got to just, it's, it's got to be able to look good in pictures, right? Mm-hmm. Because the first impression will be that I guess these will be a, a profile picture for the, fo- uh, for the property basically. So it's got to have something, it's got to have a couple of characteristics at least that catch, catch your eye. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and some, it, it can be something done that's done relatively easily. You know, we've, we've suggested to a lot of uh, clients we've worked with that it would have a, you know, a traditional red brick ranch, uh, that did not, uh, just wasn't visually appealing at first, but if you asked them to paint it gray and then put a lime green door, replace the door with a lime green door, and then it makes all the difference in the world. What? Uh, so wait a minute. Wait a minute. It makes all the difference. How, what do you mean? Like for better, it makes it better. Correct. Because, you know, when you look at the home and you see a, you know, a, a red brick ranch home with a, with a regular door, it just, it doesn't excite you. Right? Yeah. It doesn't catch your attention. Yeah. But if you have a, a, a newly painted gray ranch with a lime green door, at least, you know, it's just your, your head just 
you know, yeah. your eyes naturally drawn yeah, to it. So, that may, I mean, I, I get that. It's just, it's funny to me. I thought you were, I thought the road you were going down there was that a red brick ranch would be desirable because I don't know, it's traditional or it looks good. So you convince the homeowners to paint their house gray and put a lime green door on it. Like that's something they'll do. Or do you pay for that? They pay for that. So, uh, this one was the management uh, where we manage on their behalf. So they, yeah. they asked us for recommendations and that was one of our recommendations and uh, wow. they paid for it. It made sense. And uh, it, it, you know, this was a you know, $120,000 house that they put, you know, $5,000 of reserv- uh, you know, renovations in yeah. and, you know, generating close to $3,500 a month in, in net revenue. Wow. Uh, so, that was that was a you know easy decision to make. That's funny. I, that, I, it's not intuitive though. I would have never. I would have never thought that that was a good thing to do. I would have. I would have actually thought it was a bad thing to do. A lime green door, like that's weird. But I, I get it. It makes it stand out. It makes it a little bit unique. What about like bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage? Does it matter? Do you find like in other words? Is there any value? Like, what if you have a two-bedroom house? It's in a it's in a good area. Is that is that worthwhile, or do you go ah eh, three or more because it's just hard to find that specific person who will do two? Uh, primarily, we go after two or more uh, because with one bedroom, you're technically also competing with hotels, yeah. right? Uh, so we typically go two or more. And honestly, uh, we 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 like to keep our bedroom con right about two and a half on average. Uh, we only have a handful of units that have over four bedrooms just okay. because demand for those type of properties isn't as high. Yeah. Uh, but when you can comparably rent a two bedroom out as a one bedroom hotel for the nightly rate wise, it's, you know, it's, it's an easy choice for somebody because there's a lot of, you know, couples that travel together or, or, or families and it's just more convenient to have you know, multiple bedrooms in one space as opposed to two hotel rooms. Totally. So a two bedroom house though, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not something you would shy away from. You're fine with two bedrooms. No, not at all. The, some of our best performing units are two bedrooms or there would be, uh, you know, duplexes or quadplexes where it's two, two bedroom, one bath units yeah. per, per duplex side. Interesting. Uh, so, so, so bathrooms, same uh, thing. Like one, a one bathroom house is not a necessarily a bad thing. I mean, two probably is better, but one isn't a big deal. Exactly. I mean, as long as you, it's not a, a, the ratio should be two to one at, at a minimum, you yeah. know, two bedrooms per one bathroom, gotcha. uh, you know, three, three or four bedroom with one bathroom and just, you know, that's, that's not yeah. conducive to a good experience just because, you know, you know, guests will want their own bathroom time, right? Okay. Well, let's talk uh, about location. Big, Go ahead. I'm sorry. You finish your thought. One, 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 yeah, you know, just, I, I do want to point this out. One big characteristic to look out for is just access uh, and ability to get to the front door of the unit. Uh, that the, more, the simpler that is, the better. Um, just because you want to make it simple for your guests to be able to get, to the, to get inside the home. Yeah. We've had homes oh, that were great, but, but, you know, you might have had to go through a community gate, which required, you know, calling, you know, typing a certain code to get into to, to the actual neighborhood and then park a certain place and then walk and find a place, find a certain area where the lockbox is. Uh, the simpler it is, the better, you know, a lot of the condominium buildings re- require you to have a fob, at which point that complicates things. So, yeah. uh, the easier it is for the guests to get to the front door, the better. Okay. So let, I want to talk about location a little bit. Um, 
uh, you're in Charlotte, North Carolina area. If you're looking or let's just talk to people who aren't in Charlotte, right? Like I'm in Michigan yep. and, and a lot of people, I don't know. I'm assuming that the, the perception of Detroit outside of Michigan is still pretty horrible, but let's just say people are, I want to get Airbnbs in Michigan, right? Is it, is it wrong to think that most people who are going to want to stay in an Airbnb who are coming to Michigan probably have business in Detroit. So the Airbnb needs to be within reasonable distance of downtown Detroit. Or is that not necessarily true when you're talking about proximity to like a major city in a, in a state? You know what I'm saying? Is that something I should be because I'll tell you, down, Detroit has a reputation that's well earned. We earned it. And and really in, in downtown Detroit, there are apartments and lofts and condos that that could be purchased for this for this um for this for Airbnb that I think a lot of millennials and and, and people who are traveling would think was very, very cool. But the 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 homes and things that are surrounding some of the areas are not necessarily the best. Like in other words, I guess what I'm getting is, do I need to be near downtown Detroit and figure that out and find the areas that are good and, and kind of focus on that? Or does it matter? Like, what if you're just in a, like you said, a smaller city, a suburb? Are those, do those make good Airbnb? Like what, how do you look at that when you're talking to people who don't live in your area? Yeah. So when we talk to people, we primarily uh, tell people to stay away from areas that are you know, too far from urban areas based on our own experience, mm -hmm. uh, just because uh, the volume of travelers that are coming there is probably significant, although or not, if it's a traditional vacation area, then of course that makes sense. Uh, you know, if it's, you know, uh, somewhere remote in the mountains or something along those lines, uh, that makes sense. Uh, but for an Airbnb, we would stay closer to urban pockets, as close to urban pockets as possible. And doesn't necessarily have to be, I don't know Detroit uh, well at all, it doesn't necessarily have to be downtown Detroit, but I don't know if Detroit's got certain neighborhoods that are up and coming and have uh, attractions that are that are popular with with, uh, with you know young professionals. Yep. For example, here in Charlotte, um, we have breweries everywhere. We have you know sixty breweries within like a thirty mile radius of Charlotte, and it's for us it's been really successful to find homes that are close to breweries because that's where a lot of the uh, travelers just go. Uh, when they're in town or little small neighborhood districts that are popular, have a good restaurant or food scene or have any kind of event space that draws, yeah. uh, that draws crowds. Those for the most part will all do really well. So if you were um, 30 miles from Charlotte, but near a brewery or something kind of cool like that, you wouldn't shy away from that, even though it's far from Charlotte. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's uh, there's about 15 miles outside of Charlotte. We have the U S national wide water center. Uh, so it's a, man-made uh, whitewater rapid facility that the United States Olympic team uses for the training prior to the Olympics. Okay. Uh, that's been turned into a, basically an adventure park. They have zip lines, rock climbing. You can go uh, uh, whitewater rafting there. Uh, and then they also have <laughs> pop-up breweries there and events uh, almost every weekend. And we have properties around there quite a bit outside of town that do really well. One, the real estate around it is cheap. Okay. Uh, cheaper and been closer to downtown yeah. and there's demand for it because there's a crowd that's always going, uh, it wants to be close to the wide water center. So, okay. uh, as such, those are good, those are well-performing properties that you really, in a sense, have to be a, somewhat of an expert or have a good understanding of, uh, of the area that you're in and what, what's drawing. Crowds. Yeah. Okay. So as it relates to location, so that's like a, that's like a, um, a macro location kind of a philosophy <clears throat> when it comes down to like street level micro, uh, location, 
if you is it important does it matter if it's kind of near like on a main road or like what if it's deep in a subdivision this house that's kind of near a cool attraction but you know you you got to take two or three or four turns and go real deep into a subdivision that has a thousand houses is that a is that a problem none of those are problems uh even if you're in a in a somewhat like a sketchy area but still transitioning area as long as you market it that way uh and you you point that out in the uh in your description uh, of, of your property, uh, all that is okay because you will have a certain clientele that is interested in exactly that. You don't, that you don't use be... the word sketchy, do you? <laughs> you say literally. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, we, you know, we say transitioning, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, we say transitioning. Yeah. We, have, we have some properties in, in Baltimore, for example, uh, that are by an old factory that's being, you know, redone. And, you know, we talk about that there's sure. a historic factory in the backyard that's being worked on, that's being turned into X, Y, and Z. So we yeah. paint the picture. We don't, we don't tell them it's complete and there and, you know, this, this monument that you want to visit, but we just let you know that it's there. We just, you know, we're transparent about what's happening yeah. in, in a, in a salesy way, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what if what have you had a situation where you 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 got involved in, in and you signed a master lease for however long, and you start getting this property ready and marketing it, and you real have you had any that are just like duds like oh boy we thought this was gonna work out and this is never gonna work we're we're gonna this is horrible have you had to go back and renegotiate or just get out of it or how does that work if it just you make a bad call? We've had a couple of back calls. There was one property. Uh, it was it was the second property in the same building that we got uh, in in a great part of uh, Charlotte. There's a neighborhood called Noida, which is just an artsy district, mm-hmm. uh, and it was the same property, same exact you know floor plan layout uh, as another unit that we already had in the building that was doing extremely well. Well, they were just on opposite sides of the building, and the the new property was closer to the uh, to a music venue that was next door. Oh, so man. music would play <laughs> until two or three AM in the morning, oh, which was great for some guests. Yeah. Not so great for others. Yeah. Uh, so in, in that instance, uh, you know, we, we, uh, turned that into a, a long-term rental for basically a break even price. Okay. Uh, we just kind of cut our, cut, cut our losses there. Okay. Um, but so you didn't go back to the owner. You just decided uh, we're just going to kind of break even here and call it, call uh, it a day. I mean, uh, right. Uh, we just, we honored our contract. Um, and and found somebody that was that 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 was okay with it for for a long term. Yeah, um, and that's how it worked out. Okay, so uh, we're kind of nearing the end here, and I don't, I don't want to keep you all day because I know you've got things to do as well. But <clears throat> what what would advice if somebody was going to start off with Airbnb model? They wanted to do this. How would we can look at a couple different ways? How would you do it if you were going to start over again? That's kind of the traditional like you know interview question, or maybe just you could just say like here are some like some quick lessons learned and some quick like high level things that if I was gonna you know if you had a sister or brother somebody said hey Amir I need help with this what would be like the the ten minutes or five minutes of of suggestions that you'd give them at a high level. Yeah, the first thing I would do is honestly, I would go to Airbnb, uh, look at the location where your property is and just do some research to see, uh, you know, you can click on the listings that are already in the area and you can see the general price point that they have. I mean, all, all I'm, uh, I'm guessing your audience is very sophisticated, so uh, they'll be able to run a very, very quick analysis of understanding, will this be something that gets me the return that I'm looking for? By some, uh, I would say you should expect to have about a 60% occupancy, right? Okay. Uh, so based on 60% occupancy and the nightly rate that you're seeing by comparable prop- with comparable properties, uh, you can get an idea of what you would be able to bring home on a, 
on a, on a monthly 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 uh, recurring revenue. Now you have to understand that there's a lot of seasonality in the space. Uh, depends on the market, but there's seasonality in Charlotte, for example. January and February are slower months for us. Yeah. But you know, July through August, uh, actually, well, July through October is there. You know, they almost do twice as well as. Yeah. As January. So you just have to understand that there's, it's not consistent. Uh, and then the other thing that I would do is uh, the most important thing to the operation is uh, understanding if you have cleaning resources available to, to you, uh, okay. is there, are there companies that focus on or individuals that are focusing on short-term rental cleanings? I would, I would do, I would do some research on, in, into that. Uh, I would recommend maybe doing it yourself initially, but I know that's not a cup of tea for everyone. Uh, so, best place to honestly look for those are, you know, a Google search to just Google Airbnb cleaning and then your city or, uh, mm-hmm. under Craigslist, yeah. uh, Craigslist is a good option for that as well. Um, those would be the first two things that, that I would do because, you know, cleaning is, is very important. Yeah. Uh, obviously the numbers have to make sense. So I would do some initial research there and then cleaning, uh, that cleaning resource is very important. What is the difference or what makes a good Airbnb cleaning service? Like what, what services <clears throat> do you want to make sure that they provide or what are maybe things that wouldn't be intuitive? Like we all assume like they're going to vacuum, they're going to dust, maybe wipe the windows down, clean the bathrooms and kitchen. But is there anything that was, it's not completely intuitive or wasn't intuitive to you when you started and said, oh boy, we got to make sure this gets done or how, how does that normally yeah. look? restocking honestly is the, is the big one. They have to understand you have to be on the same page with them. If you know, the number of, uh, you know, uh, toilet paper rolls you want to keep per bathroom yeah. uh, and they have to have the ability to, uh, supply that on your behalf. Uh, okay. and that, that, that could be yeah, multiple arrangements. Maybe you have, you have a owner's closet that they, that they, they can take from and replace items with, yeah. but that attention to, basically the consumables, uh, is, is the most important thing, uh, for a cleaner that's somewhat outside of, you know, the traditional home cleaner that comes by your house and, and cleans on a weekly or, you know, bi-weekly basis. Right. What, what um, <clears throat> for as far as consumables, like shampoo and soap and all that, you provide all that kind of stuff. And what about like the kitchen? Correct. What do you provide inside of a kitchen? Just out of curiosity. Uh, so just your basic cooking supplies. Okay. Uh, so, you know, pots, pans, uh, glassware, um, okay. you know, silverware, things of that nature. Just basically, again, if you were there, uh, do you have everything enough to make, you know, a dinner, a normal yeah. dinner, yeah. uh, things of that nature. And okay. then, you know, the basic spices, uh, yeah. and that's, that's, that's really it. Okay. Um, and yeah. then you, that supplies to clean, basically, you know, <clears throat> dishwasher, detergent, things of that nature. Right. Okay, cool. Now, you mentioned that one of the things that you did um, at some point is you brought in um, a, C, uh, a CTO, I think you said, or a, C, a chief technical officer. What? So, And I know you guys provide some services and you do some things. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? What do you provide? What services do you guys provide folks and how do you help them be successful? Yeah, so... We started off managing own properties. We still manage a portfolio of over 70 properties across three markets. So we're so in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then we're also in Atlanta where we have six properties and uh, we have a handful of properties in Savannah, Georgia as well. Uh, we have a team of two customer service reps for us, just basically two team members that uh, cover, you know, uh, 60 hours during the week on support calls and guests guests have questions. Okay. Uh, that we can't answer and that comes with volume of 70. Uh, but we, uh, and a cleaning team, so we have a cleaning team here in Charlotte, we have a cleaning team, uh, which are contractors in both Atlanta and in Savannah. Um, 
And those are our only operations in those two markets. Uh, and the way we're able to do that is we developed our own technology that I mentioned earlier to automate access to the property, you know, thermostat control, Wi-Fi control, and soon we're rolling on an entertainment option where guests can log into their Netflix account, Hulu account ahead of arriving there. Hmm. And then when they leave, they get logged out. Uh, so just to like also save on the, you know, uh, cable bill. Yeah. Uh, and 80% of travelers already have uh, some, at least one streaming account. So, um, we've, we have recently rolled that out as an offering for other Airbnb hosts and property investors, uh, that are looking to get into the Airbnb space and want to optimize it and make it as passive as possible. So our solution, if you have a handful of properties makes, makes that a very passive offering for you. Okay. We also send you daily emails of all the cleanings that need to be done so that you can communicate that with your cleaner and with their code. Okay. Um, and then if somebody wants to really build out an Airbnb operation, uh, we allow you to do that as well because we optimize so much of the work that's necessary around the actual property itself. So we built that out, rolled that out a couple of months ago. And honestly, uh, we went after traditional property managers to get them to use the service, but we've seen a lot more interest just from property investors. Yeah. We have individuals, you know, we just talked to an individual on Friday that was uh, getting a handful of properties in Ohio and in Florida. Uh, and he was utilizing our technology just to manage them remotely. He had a cleaning team that he found there, and you know, with our technology, was able to basically set it, and make it as set and forget it, and make it as passive as possible, which nice. is really exciting for us because you know, for us, we we, we want to enable others to do what we do, but then we also want to help the guests have a consistent experience, yeah. uh, staying at staying at homes because that's just as important because it'll only. Uh, grow the adoption of short-term rentals by, by an Airbnb of travelers, which will be uh, net positive for all of us. Yeah, totally. That's that's awesome. So, if people want to get a hold of you and 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 inquire about this technology and they want to build out this Airbnb model, how can they get a hold of you? And and what what's the best method to kind of get uh, some more information about that? Yeah, if you want to learn more about us, uh, you can go to our website. It's rabu.com. R a b b u dot com. Okay. Uh, and if you just, I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to Airbnb. Uh, so if you want to learn anything more about the space, I'm happy to, uh, to make some time. You can email me directly at emir at rabu.com, E-M-I-R at R-A-B-B-U.com. Uh, I love this space. I see a, a great potential in it. Uh, we just got, you know, we just turned our primary home. Uh, so I mentioned we had a detached garage. Yeah. We've not turned the primary home into an Airbnb as well. And purchased a, a second home here in town. Uh, and you know, the, the, our first home is not covering our both mortgages. So wow. it's, that's the space cr- makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, the, other, the other things that we've seen from investors just real quick is that Airbnb allows you to acquire a type of property that you wouldn't usually get because you can still get a, get your minimum ROI, you know? So yeah. a lot of investors you have a threshold of how much they're, they're willing to pay for a home right. based on the ROI they're looking to get because of the higher higher revenue can generate from Airbnbs, we've seen a lot of investors purchase homes that are usually, they were twice the price uh, than their previous maximum was. That's amazing. uh, I I just had one random question. This is so not the way you end an interview, but I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna open up another chapter here. What is the biggest objection you get from, from homeowners if you approach them about this model? Like what is the number one thing that they shoot back at you to try to, you know, whatever, say it's not going to work or they don't want to do it. 
uh, it's just a fear of the unknown. Because, uh, you know, just like with anything you, you hear in the news, it's you hear more about the negatives than the positives, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm open to these conversations is to educate people on the opportunity that's out there. Yeah. Uh, so it's the fear of the unknown. They, they like it, yet you know, it sounds sounds sexy. I mean, you mentioned yourself, Mike, you've been wanting to, to, yeah. to do it, but you just haven't had information to get it to, to make that jump yet. Right. Um, so that's, that's, that's been really the biggest pushback and that's what we're, you know, that's what we, we want to help solve. Okay. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate your time very much. You've been super open and, and very transparent and that's super cool of you. Again, if people want to learn more, they can go to uh, rabu.com. It's R-A-B-B-U.com or Amir at rabu.com. Uh, if you want to reach out directly uh, to him, I know I, I will be reaching out to you and this isn't just like an interview like thing you say to be really gracious, but I literally am going to be reaching out because this is something I want to build out this year. So um, awesome. Appreciate your time, man. You've been super informative and helpful and and, and I just appreciate it. Of course. Uh, happy to help. And thanks for having me on, Mike. Really yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed uh, being a part of it as well. I, I was being completely honest. This is something that I'm very interested in. I'm going to be reaching out to Amir and talking to him not only about how he's done this more and get a little bit more granular with my situation and where I'm located, but also his technology and, and the services that he provides uh, to make this a little bit easier for folks who want to get involved. So I'm super excited that I had him on. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. And again, uh, get out there and, and make things happen, guys. I mean, the bottom line here, the reason I bring people in like this is I want to encourage you and inspire you and show you that this is very doable. I mean, Amir got 70 uh, units at his Airbnb and he doesn't own any of them. He didn't have to buy any of them, right? So there's ways you can do this. Money shouldn't be an issue. Time shouldn't be an issue. Like you can figure this out. So get out there and get it going. There's no way you're going to get your business off the ground or take it to the next level unless you get out there and just start, guys. That's the name of the program and there's a reason for that. I know that the most important thing is to just start. So get out there and make it happen.